Hey, this is LOA Today, the Law of Attraction show. Welcome to LOA Today. My name is Walt Thiessen. Joel Elson is not here, unfortunately. This week, he's uh, second week uh, taking care of some personal business in his life. And we wish him well and uh, looking forward to having him back. Uh, but uh, once again, to fill the breach, so to speak, my sister-in-law, Yuona, is with me today. Yuona, thanks for stepping in again. This is like old yeah. times. Always well, a pleasure. <laughs> and we were actually trying to figure out do we stay with the secret because that's what joel and i are focusing on but we decided we we, we between the three of us yona mark and myself last week we we did as much as we could without actually tearing the book apart the way joel and i are going to do it so okay we, we're not going to do the secret and and quite honestly we don't really have a clear idea of what we're going to do this week but we're going to just get the the conversation started and just see where it flows and so uh we're, we're actually going to apply the law of attraction to doing a radio show <laughs> which is really the best way to do it anyway when you think about it because the law of attraction is all about putting yourself into a happy place into a good feeling place focusing on what you want not on what you don't want and then waiting to see what comes out of it rather than trying to make something happen yes so we've set an intention to do a great show, and we believe that um, our higher selves are going to take over and make that happen. <laughs> okay, so let me get a mic check on the higher selves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but you're right. That's the goal. That's what we're trying to get to. Um, the other thing we're going to try to do, and, and this is going to be very extemporaneous, we're going to try to draw on some personal experiences because we agreed before uh, we started uh, recording this week's show that stories are always much more interesting when you're doing a talk show like this. And uh, quite honestly, we don't know what those stories are going to be, so you're going to find out along with us. Um, but I can get the conversation started um, because, Yona, I very recently, and by recently I mean as recently as three days ago, mm-hmm. I had a really rough day. Oh, and, okay. And it wasn't that anything terrible happened. Right. It was... It, 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 it wasn't even just that day. It's that the, the period of time that we've been in very, very recently has been difficult for me, spreading back over about six to nine months. And each time that I would run into a brick wall, I would come up with a new idea and do spin and try that, and then it would fail. And then I'd come up with another one, and that would fail. And, and I'll tell you, be, between September and now, I think I've run through like five or six business ideas and a couple of career ideas, and every single one of them has fallen apart when I've tried to get to them. Mm-hmm. On top of that, various things going on um, with our living, where we're living, uh, Louise and I are living, the, the apartment we're living in, we're, we're, quite frankly, we're tired of it. We, we want to have a, a better financial situation so we can buy a house and all that kind of stuff. And, and right. we keep we keep working the law of attraction. We keep uh, going out. We'll, we look at open houses, even though we're not ready to buy, just to you know wet our appetites and get us focused on what we want. But yeah. despite all that, I was feeling, and I had been feeling, defeated. Like nothing I do is going to make any difference, and it was all going to be bad for the rest of my life. Which of course is not true, and yeah. it's also not a good thing to focus on. And I knew it was not a good thing to focus on, but there I was anyway, focusing on it. 
I was in one of those ruts, really deep in the rut, and I couldn't pull myself out. Louise noticed it, and she asked me what was wrong, and I couldn't even tell her what was wrong because I couldn't verbalize it. Yeah. That, that's a bad place that I think everybody's been in at one time or another. You, 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 just feel, you feel like you're just trapped. You feel like you're just beaten down, and nothing is going to make any difference. And the trick, of course, not even the trick, the goal, if you will, is to find a way to get around it in your mind. Right. To get past it, to get yeah. to, to get onto that other track, that other side. Yeah, and I think what I've learned um, when I'm dealing with those kinds of feelings, um, I've come to realize that it's, this is difficult to put into words because unless you've actually experienced it yourself, it sounds kind of, it doesn't make sense. But I've realized that the feelings themselves, the emotions, actually have nothing to do with the situation. Oh, they, right, right. Yeah, they're just stuff that we associate with the, exactly, the situation. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's what, what has helped me a lot You know, over the last couple of years. I have come to realize that even sometimes the, the feelings um, precede, and I've shared this with you before in conversations, you know, that it's almost as if something happens within you uh, chemically or otherwise, and you have this down set of feelings just kind of take over. And then subconsciously you look for things in your life that are a mess and not what you want them to be and they become attached to the feelings and so you think that's the reason for the feelings but a lot of times the feelings actually precede those situations or have nothing to do with them because i've known i've had times where things are okay for you know i mean they they're not great but they're not bad and i still feel blue and i have this dark cloud over me and so I realized that there are things that happen within us, like chemically, like I said, biochemistry, that that, um, that initiate those feelings and almost feed those feelings. And they just, you know, they almost become uh, overwhelming because now you have these patterns that are established in your body and in your brain and these circuitries that just keep running over and over and over, almost out of your control. But and that's just it. it. It feels like it's out of your control. It really yes. isn't, but it certainly feels like it. That's 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 what perpetuates it. That's why it yes. keeps going. Yes, exactly. But I'm learning how to detach the feelings from the situation. So, I'm so what strategies do you use? How how do you get there? Well, you know, it's like we were saying last week, the, the power of awareness, you know, that's the first step, like actually realizing that, you know, and then just being open to the, the possibility that, that my situation may have nothing or my feelings may have nothing to do with my situation. I mean, it doesn't automatically cure, you know, the way you're feeling, but just knowing that it, it gives you that sense of, of power. You could almost see a light at the end of the tunnel. You feel like, okay. I'm going to come up for air at some point that this cannot persist. And, and you know, there's something I was, I'm, you know, that keeps coming to my mind. But, you know, I, I talked about my higher self and I wanted to share this with you, but I didn't want to share it on the radio. But then I thought I'm struggling with it. But here's it. Here it goes. I realized my diet had something to do with this. 
and I stopped. I, I went on a gluten-free fast, as it were. Like, I cut gluten out of my diet. And then this is something that I, you know, Mark and I, we've talked about it before. We kind of, you know, talked around it, and then we said, yeah, we should think about it, and we should do it. And we'll, like, cut gluten out of some things, but then it'll still be in others because, <laughs> you know, I like cereal and milk. And sure. Milk. Oh, yeah. I, but my dad is here with me, and he's um, early stage Alzheimer's, and I know that wheat and gluten are really, really, really bad for, um, you know, the brains of people have, suffering with these neurological diseases. So for the sake of him, we decided to, you know, take wheat, gluten out of our diet here. And um, so we did that for a couple of days, and I didn't even pay any attention to it, and then and then my mom, she made some cereal, but it wasn't wheat-free, and I had it. And immediately, well, I shouldn't say immediately, but that day, like within half an hour of having the, the cereal, I started feeling crappy and irritable and angry and just all kinds of, you know, and I was like, oh, my life sucks. Why am I, why is my parents here? And you know, you know how happy I am to have my parents, but suddenly I'm like, why is anybody here? I just want to be alone. I was just miserable i'm like what is this this is crazy it just came out of the blue everything's great so so, I, so you're saying you actually have a physiological association going on in your head between gluten and how you're feeling yes wow yes, absolutely and i've tested it again just to make sure and sure enough the next time i had gluten i had that kind of feeling of being irritable and, and everything, just looking, just focusing on, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I was familiar with this because I'd read the book. There's a book called um, Wheat Belly, and it's written by a medical doctor who talked about um, the fact that the modern day gluten protein is so genetically modified that the body responds to it as though it's a foreign uh, an antigen and, and produces a kind of an immune response causing an inflammatory response in the body as well as in the brain that causes anything from, you know, a mild uh, discomfort to, um, you know, irritable bowel syndrome and, and all kinds of stuff. But even uh, a lot of... Um, uh, uh, mental mood issues associated with it, and you know, I and I've come to realize that that that's one of the issues that I have when it comes to my mood and my emotions, and even in, um, in my practice, trying to to um, practice uh, law of attraction principles, and so that has been a huge thing for me. So that's something you might want to look into. I, I guess it proves that we can really attach to anything. We're, yes. we're very, very good at attaching our emotions to stuff. Yes. So, yeah. so I guess the, the lesson in it is to pay attention to what we're attaching to because yeah. we're, we're almost always doing it subconsciously, right? Yes, yes, that's right. We're always. So yes. if, it, if it's subconscious, that means the first thing we have to do is notice it. <laughs> right. That's what's so difficult about subconscious is you don't notice it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And but the minute you start trying to pay attention – Get, get all kinds of revelations. <laughs> it, it's funny how our bodies react to stuff going on in our minds and in our bodies simultaneously, which yes. is what you're alluding to here. 
Yes. All, all it takes is to be aware or, or to choose to, to kind of put out the feelings like, is there something going on here? Is there something going on with X? And you, you kind of put your feelings out and all of a sudden you're feeling stuff you hadn't felt before. Right. Yeah. Which in and of itself is a really strange experience. It is. Exactly. It is. Yes. But it's also, um, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's not enlightening. It kind of is. It, it, it's, an yes. illu- it's an illuminating experience. It, it, right. It, it's like you, you, you start becoming aware of stuff that you were never aware of before. And then all of a sudden it's there consistently. Right. You know, like, even, even though it was missing for X amount of time. Yeah, and, and even that revelation, as it were, can happen to you over and over again because you may have this this enlightenment and then you forget because, right. you know, there are patterns that you've established in your life. So you go back to the same old and then you're like, oh, wait, yes. Oh, yeah, I remember that I had this experience and, and this is what happened. And if I did this thing differently, I could get a different result here, you know? Well, I guess that's perhaps part of the reason why when either of us gets into a state like that, Louise likes us to find something fun to go to do. And I know you and Mark do very much the same thing. And and her feeling is she wants to do it because she wants to give herself new memories. Yes. New things things to focus on. But I'm wondering if also it isn't a way, or, or it is a way, I should say, to give ourselves a new way of experiencing stuff that we weren't experiencing before so that we have that awareness we weren't having before. Exactly. Yeah, because remember we um, the, in the book uh, by, uh, oh, I forgot her name, but she talked about, the, um, about emotions and how emotions are basically um, these molecules, right? And uh, she said um, the body is a subconscious mind. This is one of the, her quotes that I remember. I can't remember her name. Ah, anyway, not, so not Louise Hay. No, no, this is the she's the neuroscientist who wrote a book. Oh about yes, about uh, yes, she had the stroke and so forth. Is that the one? No. <laughs> no, another one. Oh, okay, well, there's a third one. Let's see who's the third one. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so she she teaches that the body's a subconscious mind, and and when things happen, Candace Pert, that's her name. I just oh yes, about okay. And so what she says is that um, you you have these uh, reactions that take place in your body, and and it's almost on cue. You know, you you don't have to do anything, and they just keep running over and over and over again. But when you get the new, when you make yourself have new experiences then the reaction changes and the products of the reaction changes and you produce new chemicals so that you have a new experience. And in that way, you're actually changing your subconscious mind and your association so that when you're not even thinking about it, your default is no longer going to be to produce the chemicals that make you feel bad or miserable or sad or depressed, but your default will be to produce the chemicals that make you feel happy. And that's why, you know, sometimes you see, you meet people and and they're always in an upbeat mood and they're always happy and you're wondering why, how come? 
And it's a matter of the habits that you've formed in your life, you know? It's a matter of what you've habitually allowed yourself to experience, which you've habitually allowed yourself. Some people, fortunately, were raised in environments where that was the circumstance. Others, not so much, and they had to teach themselves how to make that happen. And so that's the challenge for us to now, is to give ourselves enough of these, plenty of these positive reactions such that we change the default response of our bodies and our, and our chemistry so that it produces the feel-good chemicals naturally without, um, as opposed to the, the other ones. That, that's actually also, <clears throat> excuse me, a very good point uh, to remind us that we actually influence our biochemistry. Yes. I mean, yes. we, we don't really think of it that way normally. Normally, we think of the biochemistry happening to us. Right. But as your research has shown and as other people's research have shown, we have tremendous influence over our biochemistry in ways that we aren't even aware of most of the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, because they've shown that just by thinking a certain thought or having a certain um, emotion, well, the, the thoughts can perceive the emotions, but basically you can think yourself into feeling good. And they've shown that you can think yourself into producing certain chemicals and, and you know, th that's how people um, do these, uh, what they call quote unquote spontaneous healings and all these different kinds of things that they actually have learned how to, to teach themselves to do. And we all have the ability to do that. We all can make our bodies um, do amazing things. And, and, you know, the thing is that because we've lived so, um, what's the word, you know, um, powerlessly, for want of a better word. Well, yeah, I mean, the first thought that comes to my mind is we don't really, most of the time, think of ourselves as beings who have control over much of anything that goes on in our lives. Right. We, we are trained by our society. We are brought up to believe mm -hmm. that we really are subject to the whims of fate. Yes, yeah. And we are victims of our, of our experiences and our lives and our family and our jobs and our society. And I, I have know. a little note on my wall to kind of remind myself that the note says, I am source energy and I make wonderful, thing, wonderful things happen by feeling good first. You, mm -hmm. the, the amazing thing about that is I, there are times like Saturday and I could read that and I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I still know it's true on a subconscious level. And I know that I have worked through how that actually does play out really in life. But there are times where I just don't believe it. Right. And, yeah. and, and I'm realizing that's what the challenge is in life. The exactly. challenge in life is, I guess this is where faith and belief come into the whole picture. But mm -hmm. the challenge is finding a way to believe in what we know is true even yeah. when we don't feel like believing it. Right. Yeah, because, you know, um, the, the Joe Dispenza, he talks about the four stages of, of, of change. And, um, you know, there's, there's the knowing, then there's um, the believing, then there's the feeling, and then there's the doing. Mm. And, and it's basically... It, you know, there's there's the knowing when you are aware of a fact and, you you know, it's, theoretically you agree with it. But then, it you know, it has to move to a deeper level 
where you feel it, um, you feel it, uh, you know, it's more than just knowing something. It's, it's like, um, if I can give an analogy, like, you know, when you, you know that, that, you know, this is your mom and, and your dad or whatever, but when you have, um, that, uh, uh emotional connection with them, right. And you, and you feel something, you feel something for that person. So you feel a certain way about the information now. And then from that, from that stage, you move from the feeling to, um, to the doing. So, so when those, that, that fact becomes part of your emotions and now it, it affects how you interact, how you act, how you move about your world, that's when it becomes the doing. And he said, um, then after the doing, and I'm, I'm, I'm mixing up the stages, but it, it, <laughs> it comes to the place now where you don't even have to think about it. You don't have to read the statements posted on your walls anymore. You don't have to repeat the affirmations. You don't have to do anything. It, it now, it's now instead of you doing the thing, the thing is doing you as it were. And you're, so, you're, you know, that's, you're the human being instead of the human doing. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. definitely the ideal state, isn't it? Because yeah. now you're not having to work at it. You're not being batted around like a tennis ball. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's just it's you're just me. living it, which is where Joel has been living instantly. Not instantly. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah. Uh, up until very recently, this past week or so, he had uh, some personal stuff going on in his family. But uh, up until that point, I mean, everything had been going swimmingly for him. Mm-hmm. And it, and he was describing the last show we recorded was two weeks ago. The, um, he was describing in that show how easy it all was. I mean, mm-hmm. did, no effort whatsoever, and, and things just kept happening. Amazing things just kept happening. He couldn't believe how his life just kept improving and improving and improving in ways that he hadn't even conceived of. Mm. That's what that's what uh, Dispenza is talking about, I think. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, pretty cool I, stuff. I, I, I just looked it up to make sure I was quoting him properly. So it's thinking from thinking to doing to being. Okay. <laughs> okay. He talks a lot about that. And, 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 and it, you know, it's, it's a challenge because, um, like you, you know, I became familiar with this way of life and this way of thinking, you know, I don't know, I'll say a maximum 10 years ago when I first exposed to it, you know, just at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, overall, this past ten years, I've been trying to to move from the thinking to the doing, and I've made progress. But I, I don't think I'm at the being stage yet. <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, I still have to actually think and do it. And when you're at the being stage, you don't have to think to do it anymore. You just do it. You just be it. There's something else we talked about before we started uh, recording this week's show was mm-hmm. we, we, as we were casting around for ideas, you mentioned a book that you discovered from, uh, I believe from the 1950s, I think it was, by yes. a gentleman named Neville Goddard called Neville Feeling Goddard. is the Secret, which is uh, actually an appropriate title in light of the fact that we're taking this uh, this right angle tangent away from the secret until Joel gets back. Um, right. But Feeling is the Secret, and and did you read this? Have you read the book yet, or are you in it yet? I am reading it. I'm actually in the process You're in the of process. And, and yes. you, you were noting how similar so many of the concepts are to the ones that are presented in The Secret. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's always kind of like, I mean, you're thinking people knew all of this back then so long ago, <laughs> right? 
but yeah, it, you know, it's a different, uh, just a, a different angle of the same um, laws that you know that are revealed in the secret. You know, but he's talking about um, how important our attitude and our approaches, and how you know the things that are in our subconscious, and how they 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 actually affect what what manifests in our lives. But he gives some very interesting um, uh, practical advice about how to 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 go about um, changing things. He talks about you know um, exercises you can do prior to going to bed before you fall asleep. You know, using your imagination to, for example, he gives this great story. He talks about you know if you have a relationship with someone. And it's not, uh, you know, the best relationship. There are issues, basically. He says, what you should do is, as you go to bed, imagine that you're having an interaction, a conversation with this person. And imagine that conversation going just the way you'd like it to go. Which is not what you're used to, perhaps. Right, which is not what you're used to, because you usually rehearse all the bad things, and then you, you know, (laughs) extrapolate to the worst case scenario. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, no. (laughs) It's the exact opposite. Imagine having an amazing conversation with this person, and, um, you know, everything going well, and you ended up being very happy, and you like each other, and, you know. Well, one of the interesting things about that kind of exercise, because he's not the first one I've heard to suggest that. Uh-huh. But one of the most interesting things is how challenging it is the first time. Trying yes. to come up with positives about the person you have all these negative associations with. Right. But what he says is that basically, which is, it, it, it's, it's hard to accept, but it's, you know, probably true. He's saying that all the trouble that you were experiencing in the relationship are, that you created it. You projected it, whether consciously or subconsciously. You projected it and it's now manifesting for you. And so he says, if you want to change that, then you change the, your 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 emotions, your attitude, your visualizations, or imaginations about the person, and um, then the the situation will change. Because he, he, in essence, what he's saying is everything that's happening in your world, even with other people, is basically a projection of what's happening in your subconscious. And in order to change that, you've got to, you know, communicate with your subconscious. And one of the ways he says to do that is with, um, with, you know, your imagination. And he he mentioned something which I I know you've come across before, and another author's writing about that period of time just before sleep. And he mentions also just prior to waking up, when um, uh, you. Um, he doesn't mention this because I, I guess this, this is the newer science, but he talks about um, the different stages of uh, brain wave vibration. And he talks about the beta and the alpha and all kinds of stuff. But basically, when you're in that period just before falling asleep or just before waking up, that's the time when you are most uh, open to communicating with your subconscious, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, By the way, um, anybody who wants to read more uh, from Neville Goddard, his work is actually all online. There's a website, yep. feelingisthesecret.org, and uh, all of his books are there. They're free for downloads. There's a collection of 450 audio lectures that he gave. Yes. I mean, oh. somebody did a lot of work putting this website I together. I know. Yes. Yeah, they, the, the recordings are a little bit, you know, dated because you can hear the old uh, technology. Sure, but, uh, yeah. 
worth worth listening to. So you've been definitely. listening to some of them then? Yes, I have. Yeah, there's some YouTube um, audios that I, I have been listening to because I, I really I, I like his, his approach and, and the way he kind of explains things. You know, it's very straightforward kind of in that old school kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you can see it in his book titles. I mean, they, yes. they have a list of them here. His book titles are At Your Command, mm-hmm. Awakened Imagination, yes. Freedom yes. for All, Out of This World. That one is a little bit uh, um, suggestive. Right. Prayer, The Art of Believing, Seed Time and Harvest, The yes. Law and the Promise, The Power of Awareness, and Your Faith is Your Fortune. Mm. I mean, they, th- those are, you know, they're they're, uh, they're they're titles that kind of get your attention and say, I wonder what is behind it. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. <laughs> they, 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 they inspire you to, to you know, want to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. He shared a story um, in the book about when he first started um, you know, practicing this thing. So here's the thing. He's, he's white, but he was born in Barbados to, um, I guess, I don't know how his family ended up in the Caribbean, but he was born there, and then he immigrated to to New York, where where he spent most of his life. But uh, his parent, his mom, stayed in Barbados, and then there was some period when I guess his mom was uh, sick, and she was, you know, he thought she didn't have much time to live, and he wanted to make the trip. And back then, it would require, you know, he would have to go by um, ship. <laughs> mm. And so he didn't have the ticket, the money for the tickets, or something to that effect. But he said what he did was the night before he went to bed and he imagined himself on the ship and going on the trip and getting to Barbados and being greeted by his family and having a wonderful time and, you know, you know, seeing his mom and everything. And he said, you know, he he imagined it with the best of his ability. You know, he really put himself there and he experienced the feeling and, and the sun and everything. And um, and I'm not telling the story exactly, but he said basically the next morning when he woke up, his brother called him and says, go to the port at such and such time at this location. I bought a ticket for you to come home and see mom. That, that, that's a very serious case of law of attraction at work. No yes. doubt about it. <laughs> that, that, that's a pretty good one right there. That, that one yeah. is saying, okay, that, that's one of the more obvious ones. I, I kind of wish they were all that obvious. The experiences that happen in our lives, because then we wouldn't have to really focus on, let's see, what's been going on that, you know, demonstrates LOA happening in my life. Right. It's like, that's right in your face. You know, if that happened like that all the time, nobody would doubt. Right, exactly. <laughs> Not at all. But the thing is, it's the law of attraction is always happening, if you know what I mean, in, in some way. But it's not uh, always in the way that we would want it, you know, because like you were saying, most of the times our interaction with other people that are not favorable, it's because we have already put forth energies in the wrong direction. <laughs> so, Which is easy know. to do. I mean, yes. it, it, it as simple as the basic rule is, this is, of course, uh, the, a rule that the secret teaches and that most LOA teachers teach. Uh, as simple as the rule is to focus on what it is that you that makes you feel good and take your attention away from what feels bad, it's amazing how easy it is to get tripped up on that. Yeah. Because we trip ourselves all the time, and we don't even realize it most of the time. Yeah. The, the, the victory is when we finally recognize that we're doing it so we can stop doing it. 
Right. You know? And that's the challenge. But you know, I, I, ha I have a story that, um, so, you know, my, my parents are here visiting from yeah. Canada. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, it's quite an extended uh, visit too. They're, they're here with you for what, two or three months or something? Yeah, for three months. Yeah. When they come, it's expensive, so they Yeah, come. well, you might as well stay, right? <laughs> exactly. And so, um, prior to them coming, we knew they were coming, and so we were also looking for um, a place to rent, and, uh -huh. and, and we were looking for a place, and I knew how important being spending time outside is to my family, to sure. my parents. Well, they're from, my dad. they're from Trinidad. I mean. yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and yeah, so, you know, being stuck inside is like torture for them. Right. So I said, okay, we need a place that's got a yard and, and everything. So then I thought, when I started looking at the, the houses, okay, there were those with yards. But then I realized, even though they had a yard, a backyard, then there was this fence. And so <laughs> there was nothing to look out to but the fence. Ah. But, oh, that's not going to be good. Because where my, my family, where my parents live, you know, they have a house and it has a, a large porch wrapped around on, on the second floor. Mm -hmm. So my dad spends most of his time up there just kind of watching people go by. <laughs> so, you know, he. Which, which is reminiscent of, I'm sure, what his life is like on Trinidad. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So that's what he wanted. That's what I wanted for, for them when they came here. And so. Um, we looked at a few houses, and um, there was one house we saw, and by the time we called to inquire about it, um, they said, oh, we already have someone who signed a contract, uh, yeah. so that's, you know. But you know what? I'm glad that that fell through, because the, the house we're in now is actually perfect. We have, there's this, uh, what they call the Florida room or the lanai. And it's 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 big enough. We have a table out there with where we can eat. There's the there's a um, a sofa they can sit out there. I even have my mm -hmm. treadmill run out there. Yeah. And and we can look and and in in the back of the house there is a pond and beyond that is the road that people walk and ride and walk their dogs and all that kind of stuff. So my dad sits out there and people watches to his leisure. <laughs> <laughs> And it's exactly what I had envisioned. It's what I wanted, and I set an intention to to get that. And it actually turned out much better because where we are, we we live a mile from the park, so my dad can go walk every morning, which is another thing that's important to him. Mm -hmm. And he found out that in the park there's a senior um, center, so now they're doing jazzercise. My dad is doing tai chi. Um, they, this morning we went and they got their blood pressure checked and, and, you know, just, I mean, it's like the perfect situation for them to be here on vacation with, you know, because. That, well, that's another thing that we really do well to remember, which is that when a plan doesn't work out, when right. something that we we're kind of counting on just falls through, mm -hmm. the best thing to do is to remember, oh, that usually means that the universe has something better for us. Something better, yes. Because Mark and I were really kind of bummed out when that house didn't work because it was really pretty and we thought, wow, that would be so great. And then when the lady said someone signed a contract and we were, we were kind of even hoping that the contract would fall through because they have to run a Yeah, right, credit check, check and all that, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're kind of keeping our fingers crossed and all that and we're like, oh, too bad uh, that didn't, you know. But I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> because you got something better out of it. And, you know, now that I'm sh recounting the story to you, I'm realizing how much even better it was 
what I didn't recount the story to anyone. <laughs> you know, I was just realizing I have another story to tell that kind of uh, reflects what we're talking about here. Okay. Although not in the same way. Mm-hmm. This is a story that a lot of people around the country can identify with right now. Because yeah. this past week, I was working on the dreaded income taxes. Ah, da, da, da. <laughs> which, as Louise can tell you, is probably my least favorite thing to do in the world. <laughs> I mean, I just, and, and it's not like mine's a, a simple one, like for most people who just do a basic, you know, 1040 ES or EZ right. or something like that. No, yeah. Louise and I both are, are self-employed. We, we yes. have Schedule C businesses we have to do. So our taxes are infinitely more complex than, than you know, most people have to experience. Right. And I've, I've learned how to do them. I used tax software to do it. And, and I, I use software to keep the books and so forth on the businesses. But mm-hmm. it's a drain. It's an emotional drain on me to do these every year. And, and it, it has gotten to the point because of all of the ups and downs that you go through as you're you know, learning all the different ways that the tax laws bite you in the butt when you least expect it and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I have, let's just say, uh, an aversion built up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I don't really enjoy doing them. Well, this year I knew I had to do them. And not only did I know I had to do them, I had to do them in the context of a year that was not really a good year financially. Okay. Yeah. And I... We, we had already prepared ourselves. We knew we were going to owe money. We weren't going to get money back. And it was going to be a substantial amount. It would be uh, not so big that we'd get a penalty on it, but it, it was big enough. Okay. And I decided to just one day last week when, when another thing I was working on, actually, you know what it is. Um, yeah. Both of us are taking uh, classes right now in program. Right. Well, mm-hmm. my, my classes got derailed because I ran into a lesson where there was a key piece of course material missing and i've been trying for the last three or four days to get that key piece of course material but in the midst of that i said well i guess i might as well do the taxes now (laughs) (laughs) so i've been doing the taxes and an amazing thing happened um Uh i i the way i approach it is i i take all the stuff and i enter it into the the tax software program and then at the that gives me like my first reading and then I leave right. it for a few days, and I go back, and I check everything. I, I run the whole thing all over again. And I, I invariably find something I missed or something I put in wrong or something like that. Right. Well, did it the first time, and I got a result that kind of surprised me because uh-huh. I thought we were going to owe about $2,000 in taxes. Yeah. And on my first pass through, I found that we were going to owe about $1,000 on taxes. Okay. On the, fed, on the federal level. And on the state level, we were going to get money back. Wow. And I said, I wonder what I did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but I liked the result, you know. Yeah. So I just put it aside over the weekend, and I checked it again yesterday. Mm-hmm. And went through my, my same procedure. It's almost like I, I'm re-entering from scratch, but I'm not. I'm just going through and checking every single step of everything that I entered. Found a couple things I'd left out. Uh, couple things need to be adjusted that I didn't enter right. And when I was yeah. all done, you're not going to believe this. Uh-huh. I found that we owed $31. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of that, we're going to get over $1,000 back from the state. Oh, my goodness. So, so wow. we, we went from what I thought was going to be owing $2,000 to getting a bunch of money back. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, like a $3,000 move in the opposite direction. <laughs> and, and, and I 
I tell you, I went through it again. I, I normally don't do three times through, but I did one last check just to make sure I didn't really miss something. <laughs> did I screw yep. something? Did I enter something I, wrong? You know, double checking things and so forth. And sure enough, that's the way it came up. I couldn't believe it. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that – it kind of fits to what we're talking about because what I didn't do was get attached negatively to the to the mm-hmm. result – to what I thought was going to be the result. I, right. I, I was afraid of it. I was prepared for it. But I just kind of yep. let that one go and said, okay, well, let's just do it. You know, yep. we, we were already prepared for that to come, you know, so no big yep. deal. And yep. kind of, you know, pushed it aside and then just went and ran the numbers and everything came up better than I expected. Yeah, and I, you know, the- I, I have a suspicion that if I hadn't done that, I have a suspicion that if I had gone in with the same mindset I often do of, oh God, we're going to owe two thousand dollars, I would have entered data in such a way that we would have ended up owing two thousand dollars. It would have ended up, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. That that's actually yeah, very true, and and it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning. When we learn to detach our emotions from what's happening in our lives then that puts us in a place of power such that we are able to respond differently. And like you said, in your case, we're able to see things that we would not, we wouldn't see otherwise. Oh yeah. I mean, I can, I can even think what they were. There were three particular areas, two on my business, one on Louise's business where Mm -hmm. I had forgotten key deductions. I had just Mm -hmm. blanked them right out. And so when I was entering them, I omitted them. Right. And when I, when I went back and double checked, feeling you know relatively calm, yeah, that allowed me to notice them yeah. and recognize, oh wow, how could I have overlooked? And they were big deductions. Yeah, they were really big, and, and yet I would have missed them if I had gone with my first reading. Definitely. Which and yet my first reading was still better than what I thought was going to be. Right. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's not amazing. That's a great story because it's it's reminding me just how how um, important. It is to to be aware of the feelings that you have as you approach certain things. Even as I'm, you know, um, doing my coursework online and, and completing my PhD, from day to day, I have different days in terms of how much I accomplish. And I know that for a fact that I accomplish more, I get more done, I make more progress when I detach any feelings from the work and, and you know, because there are days when I'm like, oh, why am I doing this to myself? I don't need to do this. I shouldn't do this. It's mm-hmm. like this, whatever. Sure. And of course, then I can't, you know, nothing works out. I can't solve any of the problems. I make no progress in my writing. It's all, you know. And then there are days when I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do as much as I can and just kind of approach it with a very non- uh, emotional kind of attitude and, and, and things just work out, you know, relatively well. And you know, what's, what's amazing is if I, if, if on the, these very rare days where I start off by saying, I feel great and I'm going to get a lot done, I'm going to make much progress and I can't wait to get started. Those are my best days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think I would do that every day, but I don't. <laughs> And by the way, I want to reassure you know the, the the people out there who are a bit cynical about this kind of thing. The the tax deductions that I overlooked were dodgy stuff. <laughs> we're not talking about you know grayware where you know oh you're kind of pushing the edge of what the tax law right, says. Right, no, right. no, no. This, like one of them was I had um, hired somebody to do some work for me in the business. It was subcontracted yeah. work. I simply right. left it off the form. Oh my goodness. That's one hundred percent pure deductible. 
you know, but yeah. I just had forgotten about it entirely. It, it was, so it was completely legitimate. It was just my own mind, my own subconscious mind early on blocking me from putting it on there. Yeah. And that happens to us every day in oh, our yeah. lives. You know, and then it doesn't just happen once. This can happen over a lifetime. And, and, you know, people say, well, I'm just bad lucky or I'm just unfortunate and whatever. But it's, 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 it's all about your feelings and your attitude that are preventing you from seeing the opportunities and, and all the amazing things that could be a part of your life if you just had a different perspective on it all. And that's the and trick, just, discovering yeah. and developing that different perspective when you're in the bad perspective. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, you know, one thing that I hear a lot is when you're in that bad perspective, remind yourself about um, how good it is, how good it feels to, to be in the good perspective. And, and remind yourself about uh, how you, you definitely don't want to be stuck in that mindset and so forth. And you know what? I found that yeah. doesn't help me at all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do a darn yeah, thing for me. That, yeah. What does, what, what does do it for me is remembering the last time that I did do something positive to get myself out of a negative funk and remembering oh. how I felt then. Because now yeah. it was about me. Now it's about my experience. It's not some abstract thing that some, you know, some guru is teaching me. It was my own experience. And that makes it easier for me to say, okay, I know it works. Let's just do it. <laughs> you know, to get going, to get past yeah. the inertia. As, as, you, as we were looking for ideas for the, the show, I would kind of quickly glance through um, uh, Sean Aker's uh, website for his new book, um, the, what is it called? Uh, Happiness. Before, First, before, happiness. before happiness, yeah. Yeah, and there was something that I noticed here that's very much in line with what you're talking about because he was saying, his, what are the top three things for getting yourself to a place where you can be happy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the number one he said was to create a, a happiness hygiene. So, like, create a habit that's associated with something you do every day, like brushing your teeth or combing your hair or taking a shower. Just have something associated, something with that, like repeating your, your gratitude or just reminding yourself about, something good and then the the second one was um he said to to don't wait for happiness but try to create it so try to find meaningful things to do and to connect with and and to make yourself like we were talking about just finding happy things to get involved with but the third one was similar to what you said he says use success accelerants yeah and he talks about how um you should um your brain accelerates the closer you will perceive success. So if you make a checklist of tasks for the day, include several things that you've already accomplished. <laughs> well, for, for me, it isn't even uh, accelerating it. For me, it's getting it started. Mm, you know, yes. that, that, that it's overcoming that initial inertia, that, that right. initial resistance to moving into that positive place. Because when you're in the negative place, about the last thing you want to do is actually have to do some work to get to the positive one. Yeah, definitely. That's right. But remembering, yeah. when, I, when I remember what I've done in the past to get there and how I felt and how it worked out, that actually helps me get it going. That helps me say, you know what? Okay. It really is worth it to take these few steps that when you really look at it, they aren't all that difficult anyway. And I was really just making a mountain out of a molehill when I was treating them like they were, oh, just too much work to do. It just, right. you know, I, I know that taking these steps work because I did them before. Yeah, and when I did yeah. them before, it felt better and I got to a better place and I got out of my funk. And I have to admit right now, being in a funk is lousy. Yeah. So, 
you know, let's rely on that past history that, you know, that I have. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, I've read, um, there's some educators. Well, there's one particular guy that I, I know of, um, who does this with his students and he, he is now, uh, educational consultant and he goes around the country um, giving lectures and teaching and sharing with other educators. But what he did was he started all his students off with an A and everybody had an A and then he gave them a list of things they had to do that would allow them to keep their A's. And so it, he, what he found was that that, that boosted their, their confidence and it also gave them a positive attitude towards the class and, and the work and the assignment, you know, because they're like, man, I have an A in this class. And so, Cause, you know, Because now they're just maintaining. They're not trying to achieve it. Right, yeah, exactly. They're not, yeah. So the, the whole struggle of trying to overcome whatever the difficulties are or whatever, you know. And he, he, I think he taught, he was a music teacher, which was really strange. Um, there was another Well, I always that, thought grading in a music class was weird anyway, but go <laughs> on, yeah. Yeah, so what he did was, like, they had these performance assignments that they had to do. And one of the things that he would do with them was they had to perform in front of their classmates. And he taught them to celebrate their mistakes. Ah, yeah. So he, whenever someone would be playing their instrument or whatever, and if they, they messed up, then he would, everybody would applaud and say, oh, great job. Now you can, you know, you can learn where you need to work on it and, and, and happy. And then, you know, so he kind of created this happy association with making mistakes so that the people, so the fear of mistakes, which can be so crippling, was no longer a part of the equation. So Well, that's they, what Thomas Edison did. I mean, yes. when Edison was trying to invent the light bulb, every time he came up with another filament that did not sustain a, a, a light under electric charge, he would describe it as one more way not to invent the, the electric light bulb. Right. And yeah, instead of <laughs> it as a failure. And, and yeah, we can do that too, because, you know, like Sean Laker was saying, when you're starting a new task or a new habit, Give yourself credit for the time you already, you may have already successfully accomplished whatever the task is. So, so he's saying things like, so if you start a new positive habit, don't start at zero. Include the day that you successfully avoided the dessert or the day you already exercised. Yeah, right. Whatever it is. So you start off with a positive attitude towards the task as opposed to simply thinking, oh, now I'm at zero and I have to go all the way up to whatever. So yeah, those that, are, that can they, be pretty daunting for sure. Although, yeah. although, like we were talking about last week, there is also something to be said for struggle. Right, right, yes. But you know, the thing about it, even with the you know new attitude towards struggle, you have to know, you have to uh, come to that place where you associate the struggle with success. Right. And so, if you have past successes, then you want to remind yourself of that. And, and, and associate your struggle with that so that then the struggle. And I've learned that with my education as well as when I, um, I'm tutoring or helping other people, you have to make sure the tasks are challenging enough that it excites and motivates the students, but it's also easy enough that they can experience successes at different levels because it's the successes that actually motivates them to continue and even want to um, get to the next level in spite of the, the struggle that might, they might have to experience. And plus at some level and at some point, the student himself or herself has to take over the education. Yes, 
Right. Because until that happens, not only will there be no struggle, there won't really be any learning. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's why it's important for them to feel that they can succeed. You yeah. know, it's, and once you give them that, it is, it's empowering and they want to take over. And so I have to remind myself that for, for my own self, because sometimes I tend to want to take on these tasks that are, or, you know, I give myself these challenges that are ridiculous, like I'm going to write 10 pages in a day or some, you know, nonsense like that, which is, of course, not doable. And then I fail miserably and I feel, feel bad about the whole thing. And I'm like, Be- I don't Because you didn't meet a goal that you couldn't have met in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We all do that. I do that. And every time yes. I do that, I say to myself, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's this whole... Society that we've brainwashed, been brainwashed into thinking that we we value ourselves based on these accomplishments. So we think we need to set these bars that are way too high, and it only sets us up for more failure. Because we feel like if we, if I say I'm going to write ten pages in a day, that makes me a great writing genius. You know? Yeah, right. But as opposed to if I say, well, I'm going to just write one page a day, which is, of course, much more practical and doable, it doesn't feel as great and as grand. But then I, I, if I accomplish zero, then I've you know, done myself a disservice. So, now, you, mentioned, you mentioned Sean Aker. And yeah. since you brought him up, I mean, he is one of my favorites as well, yes. um, particularly because of his book, The Happiness Advantage. Mm-hmm. One of the key points in the happiness advantage, probably the key point of the entire book, mm-hmm. is that we want to make sure we get the order right. Yes. Oh, yes. Because, right. Because most of us are trained to believe that you have to uh, struggle and achieve success before you can be happy. Right. And oh. what his what he's discovered and what research has discovered is that it's exactly the opposite. Right. You yes. have to find happiness before you can have the energy, the the oomph, to go out and struggle and achieve the success. The yeah. happiness has to come first. Right. It's a really important point. And, and I, maybe I, I think maybe I need to find a way to put up a sign on my wall for those situations where I'm feeling really down I, to remind myself of that. Yes, that I the happiness thinking, has to come first. Happiness has to come first. Yeah, because I was just... As you were saying that, I was thinking, yes, I, I knew that, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's easy to forget because society trains us that it's exactly the opposite. And, yeah. and as Sean likes to point out, basically, any time that you do manage to achieve success, they move the goalpost on you. Right. Yep. <laughs> so it's not even a fair fight. You can never, ever be happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I need a, an app that comes up on my phone remind me. The happiness must come first. <laughs> Well, it's not just uh, remembering that happiness comes first. It's also remembering how to feel happy without making happiness dependent upon successes. On success, right? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. and that's where the little things come in. You know. That that is the challenge, I think, because uh, nobody taught us how to do that. You know what I mean? Well, Louise taught me how. <laughs> okay. But but you're right. It's not something that we normally get taught by society at large. Right. But how do you do that? How do you um, for me, it's my daily walk. Okay. On my daily walk, that that's where I first started to explore the whole concept of how do you start feeling better when you don't feel better. Yeah. And Louise suggested from the very beginning, just go out, particularly if you're out walking on a nice sunny day, you know, notice the colors. 
Mm. I'll notice the flower colors, the trees, the sky, the sun, and appreciate the colors. Be grateful for yeah. them. Feel good about them. Yeah. And, and just, you know, breathe them in and just keep looking for this beautiful color because we have a very colorful world. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a world that's full of color. And yeah. I, unless you're colorblind, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. If, if you've got normal or even semi-normal eyesight or even non-normal eyesight like mine, but you can still see color, you can do it. You can appreciate it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where I start. So if I'm out walking, and I, I've actually had a few of these walks recently where I, I got out there and I was, I was getting out there in order to feel good about something, but I get out there and I still didn't feel good. And, you know, there's this beautiful sky and there's beautiful color everywhere and I'm just not paying any attention to it. And then I get halfway through the walk and I just notice it and like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to focus on that. So that's where I start. I start with, I love blue skies. I love green leaves. I love green grass. I love the yellow sun. I love little puffy white clouds. And, you know, and just start itemizing all the things that I love in nature. Yeah. And when, the first few times that I did that way, way back, it, it didn't do much for me. Yeah. But I persisted. I stuck with it. And over time, it started to develop a positive association. And it started to trigger in me a way to feel good about something in life, even when nothing felt good. Mm, and you yeah. do that often enough. You know how it is with, with any habit. That's basically yeah. establishing a new habit. You know, that became my first habit for how do I start finding happiness before any successes happen. Yeah. Once I got through that one, then I started finding other new ways to do it i would i would base it on well i got my walk in every day this week mm. that was a major accomplishment i got to walk yeah. in all seven days you know the first yeah. time that happened that was big and right. you do that often enough and pretty soon you're walking every day and you're out enjoying nature every day and you're out appreciating every day right you know then i started adding in daily affirmations in the morning and i started adding in you know a variety of different things just just any tool i could find that uh, somebody would suggest, well, here's a good way to, to start feeling better. I, I started putting enough of these tools together. Pretty soon I had quite an arsenal. So yeah. I started with just appreciating nature and just grew from there. That was my approach. What was your approach? Um, you know, so I exercise regularly. Um, uh, but like, like I mentioned at the top of the show, cutting gluten out of my diet has been really Yeah, you got helpful. a nice one there. That's a really good built one, yeah, built in yeah. one. And just eating healthy, uh, healthily in general has been, um, has made a difference because you can tell when you eat crap, you know, you feel crappy. <laughs> so you're saying that food is your thing. Food is how right. you find, exactly. find happiness by changing the way you feel about food. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. That, that, that's a good technique all by itself. That, hey, there are a lot of people who have food issues who could use that just by yeah. changing their yeah. attitude about how they feel about food. Exactly. And kind of just paying attention to how you feel after you've eaten certain things that, that makes a difference. And appreciating yeah. what it's like before you're eating. Instead of feeling, oh, I'm so hungry, feeling, right. oh, wow, this is going to feel so good. <laughs> when I have all these nutrients flowing through my body, oh, it's going to be feeling great. Yeah, and and I, now you're feeling good before you actually eat. Exactly. But you were mentioning something, and I thought about um, you know the book by Stephen Covey, um, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And one right. of the habits he always talks about is, beginning with the end in mind and um it's kind of in the similar theme of uh instead of you know associating all these uh, negative 
feelings with the task or something. You know, think about how you feel when you accomplish it, when it's all done, when it's, you know, when you you can check it off your list or, or say, hey, I did, I, I, you know, I did it, you know, I'm picking my schoolwork and that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, well, well, unfortunately, I have to say that I have the end in mind, too, because we're at the end of the show. We're out of time. But you want to thanks so much for joining me this week. It's been great. Yes, thank you. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.